1: Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I am Summer Sibley Brown and I am filling in for Neville James as the host of Analyze This from WTJX 93.1, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands. Good morning again. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Happy Friday. Um, Happy to be back on air this morning today. Hopefully we'll have an opportunity to have two conversations this morning. So if you're tuning in, I'm asking you to listen to me for hour one and hour two. Um, and in hour one, it's um, the second half of hour one, we're going to have um, Director Shalana, Stephanie Shalana Brown from the Division of Cultural Ed. And we're going to talk about what activities we're going to be. The department is hosting or her division is hosting or pushing for virgin islands history month it is march people it is virgin islands history month a month we have designated to highlight because we celebrate our culture all year round but to highlight the culture it's specifically spotlighting the culture in the u.s virgin islands and our heroes and heroines and um the things that we are ha- we are so proud to be as a virgin islander and then in the second hour we'll have Emanuela perez casias um and she will be joining us and giving us a brief update on bright path but then also i wanted to talk to her about a program called fire is lit fueling youth reading is leaders in training and um these are two it's really interesting because we're going to be talking about education in two different forms formal and informal um, or during school, after school, when I say formal and informal, I mean during school and after school and the role that they actually play um, in helping children build cultural competency and literacy towards like living a better quality of life. So that's what's supposed to be up for this Friday, but it is Friday, so we're going to play it light, we will play it, you know, easy. So hopefully you are doing your happy Friday dance if today's your last day of work um, for the week. And you have awesome plans for the weekend. Um, we're also going to be opening the phone lines early today um, because I would love to hear from you. So I'm going to throw out the number while we're waiting. And then I'll set up a little bit about what, you know, why, why VI history, um, why feeling, why fueling youth reading as leaders in training. And then I also want to talk a little bit about Women's History Month. Um, so the number this morning is 340 718 Forty-five fifty-five, or 340-718-0761. So today, you know, open it up the mics from early. Please call if you have a question, a comment, something you'd like to say to me or a guest or a comment you have about Virgin Islands History Month. I want to just like take a moment to go over the two things that I got the opportunity to talk about yesterday because they were important. Um, If you didn't listen to us yesterday... We had two amazing guests on. We started off our one with Deborah Howell, the district governor um, for Rotary District 7020, which happens to encompass 80 people. I mean, 80, 80 Rotaries. And they're going to be here in May, uh, early in May, and they're going to be having a it's. Assembly and conference. The short of it is, is that we will have approximately 300 Rotarians here in Island for six days. And we're really trying to, you know, let the Virgin Islands know that you could come out, you could support them um, in many ways. And, you know, you could check out 7020.org to find out more information or, you know, tap into your fellow Rotarian. But this is truly an opportunity, as you said, that we're taking over Christianstead. So that was amazing. And then we got to speak to CEO Cook and Executive Director Smalls. um, And we focused that conversation on the opening of JFL North. So if you were listening yesterday, JFL North is a 54-bed hotel, hear me, hotel, hospital, I was like, hotel? No. It's a 54 bed hospital. um, And the, you know, it's going to, it's being ready to be opened. The ribbon cutting is. So, with a, what we will be doing is there's a ribbon cutting on the 7th. And then the 10th, 11th, and 12th, which were the really amazing days, it is open house right from four to seven and then one to five and finally they're the they're ready they're going to be ready to open the doors hopefully if everything all goes well on march 25th so those were like recaps from yesterday if you were listening um before we get into today i want to give you some information from the weather service just kind of to roll you into the weekend so you know what's up good morning
2: Good morning, everyone, the Virgin Islands.
1: How are you today?
2: Pretty good. Working since early morning.
1: <laughs> Working since early morning, getting that weather together for us. So tell us, well, what weather we, can, can we expect this weekend?
2: Yep. So during the early morning hours, we had the passing of uh, remnants of an old uh, frontal boundary that passed over, uh, through the islands during the early morning hours, just leaving minor precipitation across the islands, including Puerto Rico, this morning, but nothing significant. So today, variable, variable weather—that's what we're expecting today across the islands—and we're expecting that wind a uh, wind shift to the from the east uh, southeast, and we're expecting. Some showers in the afternoon, but not so much across the islands. So pretty much a uh, uh, stable conditions then in later in the afternoon for you guys. And then we we have to talk about the marine conditions across the island because they're dangerous for this weekend. So to let the small craft and beachgoers what's happening, we have uh, several advisories out for the for the boaters and beachgoers. And we we'll start with a high rips of rip currents for Saint Croix, Saint Thomas, and Saint John until late Saturday. night night and we also have a high surf advisory in effect until late saturday and we also will have in effect since tonight a small craft advisory through through saturday night as well so marine conditions are dangerous for everybody so we ask uh, all the all of you to be out of the water this weekend this-
1: Thank you so so much. So basically what we're saying is if you're playing on land, we're all good to go. We're gonna have a little bit of showers. But exactly if you were thinking about the beach, try to save that for next weekend maybe. Um stay listen to the weather station again because for both boaters and beachgoers, the Definitely. high rip currents, the high surf advisory and the small craft advisory are out at play. So please, um, no beaching this weekend, basically. Exactly. Thank you so, so much. I hope you have a wonderful day today. And you get off soon since you've been doing this since about, you said six, since early? Yep. All right. Well, have a wonderful day.
2: You too. Thank you.
1: All right. So you heard it. If you were planning to go to the beach please change your plans um because there are several several conditions that you need to be mindful of and it's the high rip current the high surf advisory and the small craft advisory um so it is not safe for beachgoers and you know um if you're on the ocean, our marine conditions. The word that she used was dangerous, right? And when somebody tells you something is dangerous, I think we should listen. So if you have beach plans, change them to land plans, cause all we will have on land is a little bit of showers. And in house this morning, so it looks like I got it wrong because I have Miss Emanuela Perez-Casias Cassius, is joining us at the top of the hour, not the second hour. Um, and so I just want to welcome her um, into Analyze This Is Studio. Um, you know, I'm filling in for Neville, so I, I'm not the official, but hopefully... i am fill in for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I love the energy this morning. So, Miss Perez-Cacias, I'm going to call you Emanuela. Everybody knows I call you Emanuela. So, I'm going to call yes. you Emanuela. um What I was saying to our listening audience is that having you, we have the opportunity to do two things. I know you don't have on your official hat, but the last time you were on... He- Air. you talk to people a little bit about bright path and then we were going to talk about fueling youth reading is leaders in training um, which is what i'm really excited to kind of get out there because it's a youth mentorship program
0: mm-hmm.
1: um and so i just wanted to
0: invite you in how are you doing today i am doing wonderful summer thank you for asking It's Friday. I feel like it's one of those Virgin Island days where you're feeling the air-conditioned breeze that we don't call trade wind, and then you just have a little bit of heat, just a a glisten Glisten. as you walk I I love it.
1: There is no heat. This morning, I wake up and I was like, what is going on outside? I am not a person who feels cold Uh often, but I was truthfully cold you see i have an i thought you was
0: being fancy because i was coming in i didn't realize <laughs> cuz you love the cold like this is your thing when we go to out and we travel we always have to conflict on how the air conditioner should be regulated in the like, car or in the hotel it's, yeah no you're ridiculous uh, so
1: now everybody knows that we travel guys no i'm joking <laughs> everybody knows that already but um, our okay. listeners i am i am always hot but this morning it was cold out it really really was okay let's transition imanuela i want you to first kind of it's a long name right and if you are listening you may have heard it before um, I, I don't think it's new to the Virgin Islands, but fueling youth reading is leaders in training, which many people, I usually say fire is lit, but I wanted to to put the whole name out there. Yeah. Um, what is it?
0: Fire is lit is one of those child-centered activities and then turned into a program, and now it is a movement, as I see it, because we are seven years in, where we are utilizing mentors, teen mentors, to help to develop and support literacy in first graders. When we first did this, we we do a lot of social justice work. And one of the concerns that came up from the teens in our first year, which was a mix between our Denver teens and our St. Croix teens, straight out of the Caribbean centers for boys and girls. We had a full program down there for developing teens and therefore we started working with them to do Fire Is Lit. So we utilized these teens, we got them trained in the orton gillingham approach. We helped encourage and teach them the importance of mentorship and how they show up as mentors and their roles within the community as a whole. And they wanted us to go out there and do this work. So we was like, okay, this is what we're gonna do. We got in contact with the Claudio Marcos School, shout out to Wendy Gonzalez and the Rima Moorhead. At the time, though, (laughs) when we first started, Bishop Jackson was the principal, but Dorima was still the assistant principal, and so we adapted the program in. We worked with those children down there for two weeks. Boom, Fire is Lit is launched. It was originally called Sparked, but (laughs) this is what's so funny. One of the teens decided she created that name, so she wanted to take it with her to college. And therefore we weren't allowed to use it anymore and she literally went against <laughs> legal advice and all of this kind of stuff i came to dr hamdorf and i was like Mm-mm, i'm taking my name with me spark is going to be something exciting and I'm sure she's using it wherever she is in the world today. Good for her. Mm-hmm. I was impressed. I was like, well, nobody told me this when I was a teen, that you can claim intellectual intelligence.
1: Int- intellectual, intellectual property. Yes. Properties, yes. Intellect- yes. <laughs> that's- she right. That's how you- intellectual property. Mm-hmm. Good for her. Mm-hmm. So seven years ago, because, you know, I love the... I love to recap. So if you're listening to us for the first time today, you, you could call me queen at a recap, right? Because <laughs> I just want to make sure that I'm understanding what is being told to me and also to highlight to the audience if you're just coming in, you get a quick summary. Seven years ago, Step, step walked into a public elementary school, made a partnership with the principal mm-hmm. that principals, because you said Ms. Jackson and Ms. Gonzalez. Yeah. Um, so it transitioned and started using teens to teach first graders
0: yep.
1: how to read. Now you set an approach, Ortham-Gillingham approach, yes. right? I and want, I want to get to that, but why, why did you think using teens to teach first graders to read would be successful?
0: Because we saw originally they were doing interactions just around arts, right? And we saw the dynamics that happened, one in our teens, just having a level of, I am the lead in this, someone is depending on me for my direction was impactful, but really how the first graders responded and worked with the teens, they were way more open. They didn't have any of that reservations that we have when we're working with adults. I saw it in their eyes, they were willing to try, they was willing to go for it, and so that's why. It was just like, well, okay, this is how it looks, so then let's do something more direct. Let's see what it looks like with literacy. So you guys tried this with art too? We work art into every year. We work art into the program. And again, shout out to CMC Arts. More partnerships. This is a, like a multi-level collaboration. And CMC Arts has been helping us with visiting artists. We have participated with just grassroots um, artists like Maria Styles. We've done theater with Saida Carter. Like It's just always making sure that arts are a part of it because we recognize arts gives you that individuality. So the structure is around literacy and mentoring, but I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's.
1: I, listen, I I, I just distracted, Manuela. So if you hear, I. W- awkward pause it's friday we're just gonna go for it i'm gonna put it all out there i pointed my finger and she was trying to figure out what i was trying to tell her <laughs> as she got startled so if you see, you heard an awkward pause it wasn't a glitch in the radio it was me startling emmanuel and she was like what do i do oh, now what? her face i look like what what so if you're watching the podcast of this uh, and then you'll be like oh i see what it was talking mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. when i have missed sit uh, on the radio who- <laughs> um so you were saying that you, um, you were working with artists. Yes. Um, CMCA supports you in that. Yes,
0: yes. And, and people in the community. So we make sure to keep those two things as our ground, and we work on it every year doing something different, something new. And this year we are at Pearl B. Larson. Because I, we were thinking last year, we've got all these K through 8 schools. I wonder what it would look like if we utilized the 8th graders and the 1st graders. So it was interesting because
1: being at Pro B. Larson, what made me think to invite you today to talk about this specific thing instead of like being in Best Friend Play on the radio and be mm-hmm. like, it's Friday and Neville is away. We could do whatever we want. No, I know. I know. I know. If Tanya Murray Singh is listening, I know I can't do whatever I want. It's an NPR station. But I was just saying, I had the thought. Right. And then I was like, oh, oh, no, something really important and informational would be talking about um, fire is lit in, because for Public Schools Week, I saw Pearl B. Larson put up a post talking about what their eighth graders were doing. Yes. And I just wondered, outside of the parents of Pearl B., how far that post made it, and if people had questions, right, um, or people who have Children in first grade at Pro B mm-hmm. even had questions, right? So I was like, oh, this is gonna be a good topic to kinda of elevate. One, I heard you say that our teens step into leadership really well. Yes. What is what is teen what do teens teaching first graders look like? Like not the not the theory, but when you practically see what does it
0: look like? So yesterday was their first actual assessment day, and it was hilarious watching the eighth graders because usually we use higher age teens, like 10th graders and 11th graders. And this year watching the 8th graders, they really, really was excited about their ownership of what they had to do. They were practicing, they were asking important questions, like the older teens didn't ask detailed questions like, so what do I do if the 1st grader decides he's just going to run away from me? How do I control that? What do I do if they don't want to help? The older teens was just more like, I got this. The 8th graders were inquisitive, but they did so such a dynamic job getting out there and just stepping in and like okay this is it we're going to do it so you know managing children
1: Mm -hmm. I mean but if you look at TV I'm going to just use TV life if you look at TV babysitting or or what the TV will promote or program us to think is that by 7th or 8th grade Teens are ready to be responsible enough to watch a, a, fif- a you know, a five-six-year-old. I year used old. to
0: babysit when I was in tw- in seventh or eighth grade.
1: So when you're talking about the 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 d- dynamic of a eighth grader helping a first grader in this responsibility role, it could sound strange, but is it really like it, the Babysitters Club was a whole book?
0: You're got it, but it's a lot of structure right so we're giving them the tools to be successful we're training them we're helping them to understand there's just three key terms introduce connect teach boom that's their objective introduce Mm -hmm. connect teach so what are they introducing and
1: i want to welcome our our next guest who so i feel like i'm having a you know a little bit of party the lovely it is girls day and it's women's (laughs) month and i wanted to talk about that now that i have both of you here but welcome director brown for
3: having me. So, good morning to Miss Emanuela Cassius oh, and good morning, Summer Sibley Brown. I would oh, have you morning. all to know,
1: Director Brown came in here like a fresh of a breath of fresh air, looking fabulous in her red dress with her madras throw. <laughs> <laughs> I know we said we was going to talk about culture, but I did not expect she to come in with her linen to make sure I oh. understand. VI History Cultural Ed Director. I see you. I see you. <laughs> You're yes, Madras.
0: All, <laughs> all month. All month. You're doing it for the culture, Shalana. Thank you. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you.
4: A new year equals new business opportunities at Bank of St. Croix. Bank of St. Croix offers deposit banking products, business online platforms, and commercial loans. Their SBA lending department offers financing options and access to capital for businesses. Bank of St. Croix has two locations. One in Gallus Bay, 340-773-8500, and one in Peters Rest, 340-713-8500. Bank of St. Croix is an equal housing lender. Bankofstcroix.com.
5: I'm Deepa Fernandes from Public Radio's midday news magazine, Here and Now. We'll bring you all the news that happens between the morning headlines and the afternoon wrap-up, plus conversations with authors and artists, stories that affect you, maybe a story about you. So please join us for Public Radio's midday news magazine, Here and Now.
4: Weekday afternoons from 3 to 5 p.m. right here on WTGX FM 93.1.
1: Thank you for listening to Analyze This 93.1, your NPR station in the V.I. I am Summer Sibley Brown, filling in for the Neville James. you're just joining us, I have Director Stephanie Shalana-Brown. She's the Director of the Division of Cultural Ed for the Virgin Islands Department of Education. And I have Miss Emanuela Perez. She's here today um, in her role as founder, um, a co-founder of Fire Is Late fueling you youth reading again but we was just in it we were just in it we were in it um making sure that as a community you understand another asset we have we often talk about the deficits in our community we talk about the deficits we see in programming and here we have a community-based program working with the department of education to help eighth graders Really learn life skills in mentorship and leading and helping each other. But also, when we talk about intergenerational connections, which I'm going to flip to you now, Shalana, we usually talk about what it means for an 18-year-old to be in relationship with, you know, their grandparent or somebody in their 40s, right? But that intergenerational relationship also counts when it's a first grader and an eighth grader, right? That's a nine-year gap that if these people have a relationship, that loop could transition throughout till when those eighth graders are full-grown elders in the community, right? Um. So I just... When nothing just... You never... Something doesn't just wake up and happen. It's the seeds that we plant. And so I just want... like I was like, oh, this is intergenerational building. Uh, it's just at a different level. Director Brown. Hey,
3: morning.
1: Good morning. So... Tell us about what you have planned, because it is VI History Month, and the reason you're here is because we were going to talk about VI History. So listen, audience, radio listeners, today, uh, you're going to have a really great view in how my brain works, right? Because I'm going to be ping-ponging back and forth and connecting, and you all going to be like, what, what, what? We ain't just talking about history? Yes, we're doing it all. It's Friday. Talk to me.
3: Um, well of of course most persons may know that we're celebrating in the virgin islands the 175th anniversary of emancipation for 1848 Um, and so um, the under the department of education and the division of cultural education um, we have been engaging in the subcommittee of mr myron jackson for history and archives. So we've been doing that um, part of our responsibilities to make sure that our students are engaged and are um, effectuating um, concepts and engaging about how do we live our legacy after now. So our theme is emancipation now, understanding history, living the legacy and creating just future for all awi so nice title. yeah, it's nice title. Yeah. <laughs> That's the marketing in her. And so and and, and other individuals as well, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so. Um, we have a number of activities. So I know on surface level, you know, I'm a Madras enthusiast. So the first thing everybody do is, like, you know, you wear Madras um, to celebrate Virgin Island's History Month. But also we need to dive into concepts about, like, futurism, Um, like how do we see ourselves in the future? How are we responding to the sacrifices that other persons have uh, provided for us? Are we living our best lives within these really complex societies that we live right now um and so that's what we are trying to engage in um it's a heavy topic it's a layered topic but i think it is important to engage our students not on just surface layer about culture but in thought processes Mm -hmm. and their identity and so we've been engaging with um the department of um, natural planning and natural resources a lot so far We've engaged the teachers because we know we have to get to the teachers in order for them to be able to make our students responsive. Right. So thus far, um, DPNR, under the State Historian and the State Preservation Office with Ms. Director um, Kriger, Kevin Kriger, um, we led towards downtown Christiansted and downtown um, Charlotte Mali. Um, and that's engaging in our built heritage so when people think about heritage we always firstly always go to people we because of course um we like stories from other people and their try how they triumphed but also um built heritage is a tangible thing where we can touch and usually in these um stories we hear these towns are very danish so in the I guess the infrastructure or the schematics per se, they are Danish, but in fact, we have African tongues because the persons that build it up are African and they weren't like given these skills by any colonial powers. They came very skillful. And so just engaging and possibly re narrating the stories, like these are black tongues, or we can even say um, it's a it's a mashup or an intertwinement of African and Europeanness, um, which our culture is very much um, intertwined in that story. But um, engaging in about the tangible things and making sure that our history, we see ourselves in it. That not only that we were colonized for a long time, but in that we found ingenuity to place our identities on things such as our structures, because that's our structures, our building arts. Um, We see a lot when we're walking down um, in our historic towns. You can see a coral still in the structure. There were master divers, um, African master divers, that went into the ocean, and um, they didn't have the gears that persons have at this time and they were diving and um although we see subjugation and there is um some studies on um things that persons did to themselves african slaves did to themselves to be master divers because they didn't have um some of the equipment that we have today um they did things to their bodies to their ears to um Yep, they did things to their bodies and to, to their ears to allow them to be better divers. And those are the things that we're talking about, like the legacy, like we don't hear those things. We just say, oh, Christian said it's a Danish tongue, but it's an African town. Yeah, and so those are the things, concepts we're trying to um, bring forth in our conversations.
1: Nice. So you said, and I want to engage both of you in this part of the conversation. You said, are we living our best lives? As a person working to help young people um, take their place in our community through mentorship and helping, you know, service, helping first graders learn to read and having those first graders be confident to to, you know, to take their place in their own life and education to have some agency. And you working with educators and students for the responsiveness of what it means to be emancipated in the future. Yep. Do you guys see an intersection? Because I just want to know when you hear Shalana, Shalana you hear Emanuela. What are you guys hearing? And I'll go to Emanuela first and then I'll go to you Shalana.
0: So I think what I'm hearing is the shift in the narrative, right? We're taking control of the story. Or, or of the story as it's going to be told in the future. So when you, when you give another generation the story from different perspectives, they get to formulate an opinion, just like in mentorship. They get to formulate who I am within this space and what it means for me to do it. So I have a question. Is fire is lit, in your
1: perspective, a part of how we live emancipation now? Absolutely. Why? Because we're still burning the fire. No, I'm only
0: joking. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I mean, the name is Fire Is Lit, right? And so, you know, I think fire burned all of those things, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, accidentally, not intentionally. And it just rolled into that, right? And it just rolled into that. But as she talked about emancipation, you know, the legacy, but also like emancipation now, how do we appreciate emancipation? I thought about people who don't have the ability to read, people who need, you know, like what is literacy, the role that literacy and community service, how does that play out in what modern-day emancipation looks and feels like. I was like, hmm, wonder if Emanuela over there secretly burning dung fire and making sure <laughs> the them is like power to the people and it's all wrapped up in a reading program.
0: <laughs> say it. Say it. Absolutely, yes. Okay. <laughs> it wasn't intended. Like, that wasn't the intention, but that was what the outcome is becoming. Because think about literacy and how it was the one thing you couldn't do. When you were not free, you could not read. And now we're letting you, your own, teach you this skill and develop this skill while building a relationship with you. Because I believe that's probably some of the same things they did before.
3: Yeah, magic and mysticism is important. Magic is in our oral stories a lot because we we weren't um, literate. Um, And our oral stories are oral stories are very important and that's why it's important for us to have intergenerational conversations and our stories gave us perspective because if we watch you know there's so many films out um where one incident occurs and then they show you the perspective of several people somebody who um, might have been backstage and then the other person was across the street and then somebody was on stage when the incident happened and all those persons have different perspectives but because we weren't literate, the perspective went into the hand of the persons who were literate and they wrote our stories. So even when they wrote about us, they didn't write about our magic or our mysticism of who we were. Instead, they wrote their opinions about who we were and possibly in, in a negative connotation, which when we even read history today, um, it has sensitivity in it because... Um, you can definitely absorb in the manner of what, when they when they write about you, um, and that's why it's important for um, our um, students to get into um, archaeology and anthropology because um, we have a relationship with the Society of Black Archaeologists, and actually um, Dr. Um, Fluellen Ayana Fluellen, who is the founder co-founder of that organization, she does a project which. Um, I know, Ms. Cassius, your students have been engaged with before um, at Little little Princess. And so even when somebody is an anthropologist or archaeologist, and you go to school and you get all the tools, we all are grown with some sort of biases. And it's a a career field that is mostly Caucasian-based. And so they may be doing the correct um, things, like the, the methodologies that you you use when you're doing archaeology but when you write the story something about that um background that you have that you'll write it in a in a perspective of which you had grown up in and so we need to re-narrate and that's why literacy, literacy is very important um, because we lost a lot of our history for a long time and we're just engaging back with it since they're becoming available. And that says something uh, as well when it, somebody owns your story and it, it's becoming available to you now.
1: So I want to say one thing. Well, I want to say several things, but just to recorrect, correct right? Because we were literate. We just weren't literate in the European of writing. Because if you got me, I could be a master diver and know what to do to my ears to 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 allow myself to dive deeper i could you know what i mean like, yes it's
3: systematic like it, it meant for us though that, yeah a,
1: that, mm-hmm. that's 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 a type of literacy that's medical that's mm-hmm. how. so we were literate we were not we were not trained in the european reading european. and writing Correct. but but we had our own levels of literacy if we re-narrating yeah right because li- i think a lot of times when people think about education we only think about one type of intelligence um and so if you have the skill of reading, writing, or speaking well, then you are perceived that you are smart. But there's physical intelligences, there's like there's bodily knowing, there is people who never know, they don't need a mechanic manual, they will just know how to fix something. And so it just like in our general, everyday American colonial education, there is a value for reading and writing. There is not a value for the alternate intelligences. You know, we minimize art, we minimize body movement, we minimize trades, right? What is the trades that build the black tones. Correct. So
3: our, our, our system, and it may be. Um. It may be a, a topic that's riddled with you know diverse different um, ideas, but it is my belief that our education system, both locally and nationally, is riddled in like Eurocentricism. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> I, don't, I don't think nobody could.
3: I don't think nobody could, you know, argue that.
0: Oh. I see you. <laughs> you just so- got. <laughs> I was here thinking about what y'all were saying, and I was like, you know, something. The goal, though, that, that's not highlighted in what I was speaking about earlier with Fire is Lit, is that we're not teaching the mythology of reading. We're teaching the love of reading, mm-hmm. right? To get you excited about learning things. You're saying we're creating all these narratives, but if nobody's excited about tapping in to reading, it's just going to be there on the side. So right. we, we, we want to help young people to be encouraged to read, not so much be measured in how you read. I think once you love it, you get better at the skill as you keep practicing it. So. What you said is just to
1: reframe, right? Methodologies are important, but that don't make nobody read, and that don't make nobody wear um, to Anna Madras, right? When we I'd think like about this, when <laughs> we think about the science of a thing, mm-hmm. right? Um, there's rare people who are I I consider I'm saying this with love because I consider myself nerdy and geeky about certain things and they're gonna find it. But the average person is not stumbling into oh boy I even just learned how to teach reading today Ooh, because right. I feel like it or wada my cultures you know so it's about making things relevant and cool. Um,
0: I make you want to try
1: and and love it right? How do you how do we how do we promote the love? of VI culture? How do we promote the love of being able to hold a book or translate an oral story like Auntie Janice? You know, it's Women's History Month. It is also VI history. history. Like Auntie Janice was able to give so many people that oral tradition of storytelling because she herself, when she was doing it, was filled with love.
0: Yes. Absolutely.
3: I think those are some of the topics that everybody's engaging in because you you want a balance between literacy and on digital platforms um so in one in one hand yes because i do have a background in communication and i do think that in somewhat the creator did bless me with um the gift of visual arts and so i learned best from vi- like seeing things visually um but i had be, I had the opportunity to be um, engaged in writing and reading. Um, And so there's a balance because if you go too far away from any of the, the, of the spectrums, um, there could be a a lastness somewhat. So if you um, are just visual and you want a condensed story, um, it doesn't pay respect to a lot of legacies in a two minute like TikTok video about something, <laughs> but then you get on a surface level, I and I don't want surface level education,
1: you know so, what I mean? So hold that thought. I see the excitement. We're gonna get ready to go and take a break. When we come back, we are talking to um, Director Brown and Miss Emanuela Perez Casillas. We're having a robust conversation about all things via history and literacy.
5: Around the world. NPR's Frank Langfitt is in London covering this one. Hey, Frank. Good morning. Cuba is experiencing its biggest anti government protests. If it's happening here at home.
3: On a blistering hot day in Twin Falls, Idaho, joy, On the northeast border of Mississippi, where the river nourishes rich and green.
5: Morning edition from NPR News will take you there wherever the story is. Listen every weekday.
4: From 6 to 8 a.m. here on WTJX FM 93.1.
5: Ability Radio is a program brought to you by the Disability Rights Center of the Virgin Islands to promote a more inclusive Virgin Islands. Ability Radio brings you information on healthcare, art, culture, education, and current affairs, where we engage in lively discussions with guests locally and abroad. Join us every Saturday morning at 11.30 a.m. on WTJXFM.
4: I spent a lot of time in the garage, but even more time in the rain and mud. In 95, I helped tow your moving trailer. And in 09, it was sparks from me, your chains, dragging behind your truck that accidentally started a wildfire. Spark a change, not a wildfire. Visit smokybear.com. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Only you can prevent wildfires.
1: We're listening to Analyze This 93.1, your NPR station in the VI. I am Summer Sibley Brown, filling in for the Neville James Um, He is off in New York. You know, I get to sit in the seat. I get to roll the R's and I get to interview the guest. Um, This is my last day for the week. Wah, wah, wah. But what is not a wah, wah, wah moment is the two amazing women who I have in studio with me. So I have director. If you're just joining us, I have director Stephanie Shalana Brown. She's the director of cultural, the division of cultural ed for the Virgin Islands Department of Education. And I have Miss Emanuela Perez, who is a lot of things, but today, you know, because of Going to That's go a lot into No, her <laughs> official title is Assistant Director of Residence Wellness and Empowerment for the Virgin Islands Housing Authority. Saying I have titles, I don't have a title. Saying I have titles, gonna take up the whole 15 minutes of the show. But she's here today um, in her role as founder, um, a co founder of Fire is Late fueling you youth reading again is leaders in training. Okay, Glenn, let's go to the break because I don't say all the titles. Joking, <laughs> joking, joking, everybody. But we're talking about, one, we were talking about literacy program that has been launched, been here for seven years and is specifically working right now with Pearl B. Larson eighth graders to teach first graders um, and their processes. And then we're talking to Cultural Ed about Virgin Islands History Month. And I want, I had to know I happen to have two people who I care about deeply in the studio at the same time. And one was supposed to be at one time and one was supposed to be <laughs> at the next. When I, when I announced them this morning, I said somebody coming in at eight and somebody coming in at nine. So this mashup, as shall, that Director Brown would say, is interesting play for your listening ears today. Let's see how well you keep up with the Virgin Islands literacy of multiple making it happen nope. we're just making it happen, <laughs> it happen right. and that, that that title actually belongs to nicole um what's nicole's last name tyson tyson, tyson, tyson. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. right So we're not it happen, yeah, yeah she has that show but this morning in yeah we making it happen right. yeah so all right so we were talking about before the break the love of reading or the love of culture being actually a driver for any of these programs to be responsive and for young people to want to do it do you and i also had asked the question do you guys see yourselves or the role in your programs as building emancipation now right um do you think that our young people are their vision of emancipation is the same as ours and how do we from your work begin to collect more true and accurate data about what first graders think is important you said child-centered, so that's why.
0: No, no, absolutely. So remember when we were growing up, everybody used to say, you got to know the three R's, writing, reading, and arithmetic. And even though arithmetic, no Beginning writing, when start with it, they always did writing, writing, reading, and arithmetic. Right? <laughs> Rhythmatic. 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 So I want to add another R, and this is the one that connects emancipation and connects learning and love, which is relationship, right? Mm-hmm. Like when we think about anything as adults, anything that we have learned to love, anything that we've been introduced as sparked, came from a relationship somewhere somehow and that's where we take emancipation from we take it from the knowing in the brain to making it into a relationship and intertwining it in everything and we've already started doing that like we have got to send the virgin islands there's a different virgin islands than when we were growing up in regards to the way culture is celebrated in different ways it's not like the only thing you could do in madras is wear a quadrille skirt. when i was growing up Mm -hmm. i wasn't seeing madras except for fear and stuff but now it's like a Part of life, and that's the relationship aspect to it, Sibley Like, I feel like that's how we don't get in love in there, and that's how we don't connect where we come from and who's taking us to the next level. Reading, writing, rhythmic re- re- and relationship.
1: <laughs> so, but talking about that relational piece, first of all, I want to shout out everybody who, is, who has put in work to forward the Madras movement. Yes, yes. um, you know it because it's grown right it's grown it just had like i mean shout out to all of you and it's it's many people
3: for years
1: yeah Yeah. you know but you could see all the local designers and seamstresses and like it's it's t-shirt makers it's just really becoming more commonplace Mm -hmm. so i see that you said the word earlier effectuate and i'd like you to give you know neville love award for the day when i hear (laughs) yeah i was be like that's the word for the day What does effectuate mean? Because I want the listening audience to understand it and then I have a follow-up question.
3: Like, it's to do, to make happen. So, yeah.
1: So, effectuate or affectuate? I want to make sure I get it right. Is it with an E or an A? E. So, to effectuate is to make happen.
3: Yeah.
1: What is it you think that this generation or we need to do to help this generation make happen something with their culture? So layered? Yes, always. Uh,
3: <laughs> so uh, from my perspective, because these are arguable topic- topics, um, so I think for a long time, and even me as an adult, I am just gaining more perspective about this. So as a, as a younger person in the Virgin Islands, Um, I grew up just doing culture, doing it, effectuating. I didn't have a a great idea of why I was doing it. I had surface layer. You just grow up in something and you do it because you've been, um, you know, taught. Yeah, taught. Mm -hmm. Um, um, And so what my goal is, is for us to analyze because I think that we've, uh, reinvented ourselves so many times because colonial powers, um, identity, and I have a concern about that. And so, while we are talking about emancipation and living a legacy, I don't want this generation to rein to. Not, I I like reinvention, but I don't want them to create a new a new identity because we're always. Um, not taking our past with us, or taking surface levels part, but that's not our fault because for a long time, as we said, the reason why we had to reinvent ourselves so, so many times because things kept getting taken away from us. So we spoke a, 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 a distinctive language in the Virgin Islands. Um, we created that. It was literally created here. Nowhere else in the world it's synonymous, and, uh, and most persons will know that's negro Islands. Okay, we lost our African language we popped up a new language. That one got taken away from us. Here we go, we're somebody else now. Um, I, I used to practice African customs. That's taken away. I'm intertwining my identity with, um, with Lutheranism, Moravianism, I'm creating this new thing. Okay, that's taken away from me. Um, I'm now an American. I'm not Danish anymore. Okay, I'm not eating ground food anymore. And that's not, Mom. Um, that's not my identity. I, I want steak and mashed potatoes. And then in that level, we're just like, oh, it's recreating, 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 because things kept getting taken away from us. And so my, so what I'm probing in again, it's 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 investigation and it's arguable that when we're living in emancipation that we're also needing to go back and fetch. Yes, and that, uh That when we're going into the future, we're not just recreating ourselves. Here's a new version of the Virgin Islands. But we're saying here are all these elements of who we are and we're moving forward. And we're taking the things that we want to take and we're leaving other things that we don't want. You know, we have issues with misogyny sometimes. Um, We have other, you know, a list of an array of things. So it's up to us as a community of what we want to take and what we and, and what we don't want to take and move forward instead of just creating again a new identity and then 20 years from now a new identity <laughs> but it's a combination of who we are and who we want to be.
1: So as you said it was <clears throat> debatable. My first question ready to debate. I am not ready, ready to debate oh <laughs> my goodness y'all I'm not ready to be, debate but my first question really has to do wouldn't another person sit and say that's what makes us resilient that ability to reinvent ourselves when things are taken
3: it's a beautiful story it, you could it could but I, I'm just saying it's also you lose you lose parts of your essence and your identity and then you fill it in with other things so for a long time we um, we we this is an example because this is something that I've studied right so I love to watch our head ties. And even for a long time, again, surface level, I thought our head ties tradition was the points. Points are not synonymous to the Virgin Islands. We never had points, but we just think that we had points because we never really look back. If you watch any images from the past um, that I've been privy to, I have not been able to go to... um, physically to any danish archives but they have a lot online and i've been in contact with many institutions and nobody's been able to find any head tight traditions with us in point with points that just came along in the 70s but if we don't investigate those things we just absorb other traditions those are french traditions so all those head tight points which i used to articulate too it's true but it's not true to our our history in the danish west indies we absorbed another culture's um history and we filled in the blanks because we thought oh we're caribbean but we have nuances between us so it is beautiful now because we do a head tie like nobody else in the caribbean does so we reinvented ourselves and we made something beautiful because i'm looking at throughout the caribbean and we have the most extravagant so, that is something beautiful because we made that. But we made it through like filling in the gaps for things that we didn't know. And then we, something else beautiful came out of it. But, all, but there is different things that different head ties that we've lost to that was synonymous to us. So,
0: what I'm hearing a little bit have my brain in like two different parts of the world, right? Because the part of me where we're keeping things, I see what you're saying but the, the love story here for me is the way we've always been able to elevate the next thing. Mm-hmm. And then is that not just our story, right? Like, so if we can't pinpoint one time in history where it was officially this or officially that, then our love story is how we have, our people have continued to evolve and grow and create our own spaces based on what we learn from other spaces. And then who's to say that's not what is the future for us also? Like, are you saying now we should stabilize? And then, okay, Let's lay out. This is who we are. Is
3: that what you're saying? Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm giving my investigations. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> she's like, it's, <laughs> it's a arguable topic. It is. Like it is. even um with my friends who are anthropologists, their societies like Denmark. They have a very straight identity. Like they know who they are, um, and they stick to it. And then if you don't stick within that, you're you're kind of like um. Polarized, right? But in another way in another instance, um, who wants not me? I don't live in a society like that. Right. <laughs> so we have to decide on like our who we wanna be. Do we want like a very straightforward identity and, and then somebody can say that is very Virgin Islands or like or Denmark can say, Oh, you are very Danish uh-huh. or do we want something else? I don't have the answer for that, and I don't think that I should be given answer to that. All I'm doing is providing information, you. and then it's for us to make. A, it's good conversation. Yeah, it's though. a conversation. It's
0: <laughs> it got me pondered. Mm-hmm.
3: You know, yeah. so
1: I, I think, I think these conversations are important for historical rec- recollection. And for yes, transfer of information. And all I'm thinking, and how? And my question is, and how do we get people in the Virgin Islands, or how do we articulate? Because maybe people in the Virgin Islands already, you know, have love for certain things, and that's why they have lasted as long as they have. Relationship. Right. The the love and the relationship they have we have with Vienna cake, mm-hmm. right, which makes it a robust conversation. Mm-hmm. Or oh, the difference between gravy and sauce, because if you don't know, then <laughs> I, I was literally asked that question. Um, by, you you know what sauce is? I was like, of course I know what sauce is. <laughs> sauce long, right? As opposed to like gravy that's like tighter and shorter, right? Like when you poke back like, fish in butter sauce, cank butter sauces are uh, like a longer, more watery. Anyway, but the the point is to know the difference between those things. There's people forwarding it to know the difference between whether we created it in the seventies. Or if it was in the 50s, like the points, right, the love of the thing. And mm-hmm. so while the history of the thing, which I think empowers empowers us through places like Landmarks and DPNR yes. and our cultural preservationists and like, the stories we're able to tell about ourselves and we want a level of accuracy. I'm just like, how we get people to do it in the streets mm-hmm. or are they already doing it in the streets and we're so busy which is a good portion and Shalana. your investigation I was just like yep she's truly a she's truly she getting into that anthrop anthropological zone of like I want an artifact I want to catalog I want to see I want I want to document with with without a lens of bias I just want to document yes, that's it, it. Yes.
3: that's my role it's, that's what I say arguable because it's just for me to give the facts on something it's not uh, from for me to- from to, your to perspective to say, right? Yeah, right but like
1: can we are we um, or should we? Should we have this thing moving, like just like just keep infusing it with love, right? Infusing okay, the Virgin Islands it. with love, and so I'm, I am in myself perplexed, right? Because I I do think identity is important, and I'm also like, and when is, when is when we build identity in such a way that it becomes a burden that people can't move fluidly in themselves and with the times like there is a balance between knowing myself and having that self as a prison because even i need to reinvent myself and i'll use a simple example like when you tell yourself for your whole life oh i don't eat this way or i ain't physical or i don't exercise those are identity boundaries that end up being traps Mm -hmm. so we are going to take a break and come back in the second hour. You are listening to Summer Sibley Brown, Shalana Brown, Stephanie, Director Brown, and Miss Emanuela perez Cassius as we round out and enter into the second hour. I don't think Emanuela will be here with us, but we're going to break.
0: I'm going to say bye The views and opinions expressed on Analyze This are entirely those of the on-air participants and do not reflect those of the station's board, management, staff, or underwriters. The news nowadays is a bit like our weather, much more extreme. The headlines that grab the most attention generate a lot of heat and not much light. On 1A, we rely on your questions and stories to help us better understand the issues that demand more than a few tweets. With your help, we'll get to the heart of the story together.
4: Catch 1A at its new time, weekdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. on WTJX-FM 93.1.
5: During a busy day, it can be hard to make room for even one more thing. So it's a real plus that All Things Considered from NPR News is great for multitaskers. You can confidently add being well-informed to your to-do list and know that you will get it done. Whether you're cleaning out your junk drawer on a quick drive or something else, listen to All Things Considered every weekday afternoon.
2: From 5 to 8 p.m. right here on WTJX FM 93.1.